we have to keep on coming together and having these conversations because there's another generation that's looking at us and they've got to take the next steps. Welcome, fam. This is Courtney Russell Jr. And I'm here with my co-host, Emily Brocker. Welcome to Humanize. We are two Americans with totally different backgrounds and life experiences. We're coming together on this podcast to dive right at the heart of the three things that shut down tough conversations about race, culture, power, and ego. The stories you are about to hear are meant to humanize those deeply involved in social justice. Welcome to the work, y'all. Let's get it. Hey, what's going on, Humanized family? We're back at this thing again. Um, just humanizing the struggle, making sure that we all know that it's nothing but love. However, it's audacious. And making sure that you know that we're here to, to, to kind of highlight social justice in a way that we feel is so, so important. A lot of times we, we are out here, we're doing activism from from a feeling that we're doing it alone um and we're just here to let you know that there are so many people that are allies and accomplices and things of that nature but before we even begin with that we just also want to set this disclaimer that we've really gotten permission to have to ask these kind of questions to dive into the lives of these individuals and to highlight this in a way that we can humanize them and so before you try to do that, please first get consent, get the, the and show the respect deserved to individuals that are in this struggle and live this um this life day to day. Thank you so much. Emily, let's get it. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. So on this episode, we have Sarad Zara, and this is a, a really fun episode, especially for me. Because um, she's doing amazing work in the in Massachusetts, she is the co-founder or the one of the founding members of Mass Action Against Police Brutality, and she has some amazing life experiences she's going to share with us. But I haven't gotten a chance to talk to her since perhaps the seventh grade. <laughs> so she and I went to school together, um, elementary school and middle school together, basically. Um, so welcome, Saraj. So excited to talk to you. Thank you for having me, Emily and Courtney. Nice to yeah. meet you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's I, I think it's a pretty unique experience to go from like whatever the seventh grade conversation was straight to the in the 40s adult <laughs> conversation. What have you done with your life? How are we making change in the world? Yeah. I think that's a, a pretty fun experience. So thank you. Thank you. It, it is really, it's, it's amazing. I think it's amazing because the last time that we were like together, we were co-representatives of the helping hand at school for our grade. Yeah. You're representing. And then to just like fast forward to now, I think it's, I okay, like, so that I'm that is amazing because I conversation. I really hadn't remember that because I have like the worst memory. So we were the two representatives doing, yep. and what kind of what kind of work were we doing? <laughs> this is like uh, listening to a show. Okay, what so okay, so if you, I remember this. So okay, so there were two ways that we that people could represent the the grade, and mm -hmm. one was to be like student part of student government. And we mm -hmm. would elect two representatives. And then there's a more human humanitarian organization um, called the Helping Hand. So we had meetings, like, I don't know, regular meetings at lunchtime um, mm -hmm. with all of the other representatives of, like, all the other different grades. And mm -hmm. we had special events, like, there was environmental stuff we did. We had different campaigns going on. Just, I don't know, whatever we kind of thought of, we did. Yeah. Oh, that's so, so good cool. for us. In other words, I don't remember, but <laughs> you remember way more than that. Pretty much what it was, but it, it was empowering. I love that. It was empowering. I love that. I think, yeah, I'm. I imagine that it had a big impact on me. 
you know, like we're still in that work. <laughs> so it's at least unconscious and it's in there. Yep. Oh, well, I am, I'm excited to hear, I, you know, at that point when we're in school together, obviously I wasn't asking you a lot of questions about like where you're from and your experience of life. Cause I was so young. Um, so what I'd love to do is to read this really beautiful bio that mm. Sarad sent us. I thought that this was like written for like a poetry submission. And Sarad just told us she just like glued it together this morning, which is so amazing. Um, there's so much in this, these couple sentences. Um, so I'd love to read it and kind of have that as a jumping off point. If you wouldn't mind just, um, you know, telling us a bit about, about your upbringing and about what motivated parts of this bio and then bring us through to, um, the work that you're doing now against, um, mass action against police brutality and perhaps other stuff that you're doing as well. Cause again, we haven't caught up for a long time. So you wrote <clears throat> that you are a first generation American of African and South American West Indian descent labeled and experiencing life as an African-American woman in the black experience of the United States mm. living on the edge of the new generations of peace after generations of terror born on an echo of revolution. This is so beautiful. Okay. Tell us about that. Yeah. So I, I wrote that and I was like, so how's that? I asked my husband, write my bio for me. I'm like, ah, I can't, I don't want to. And he's like, I'm not yeah. writing your bio for you. And I read it to him and he's like, you're dramatic. That's dramatic. And I'm like, you know, I mean, I don't know what to say. I really don't know what to say because I just feel like I'm just doing my part. Like I'm just, I'm doing what I can. I don't know what to do, you know? Yeah. And we've experienced so much, like there's so much that's happened and everything needs to change. Like, I, I don't know if this is like podcast worthy. These are podcast worthy <laughs> words, but I just, I'm just doing what I can and it's hard, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's such, um, I'm struck by the beauty and honesty that's in that bio um, and how those can be simul the, the beauty and the honesty uh, and the grief is what it, it sounds like um, in that bio. And I just, I think it's really a beautiful offering. So I really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, so tell us, can you tell us just a bit about your, your story and um, you know, how it led you to doing the work that you're doing and, you know, influences like helping hands <laughs> and other influences of your youth. Okay. Um, so we went to a private school, predominantly white private school. Um, I was the only black girl in my class. There was, you know, there, there were a, lot of, a few others sprinkled around, but I never like being the oldest out of my family, oldest child. I never had anyone to really look up to that had gone through what I'd been through. Like I was literally the first, like the first born American in my, mm. my family. So, you know, being in a Muslim family, like my dad is Muslim. My mom was raised Catholic, like just a lot, like a lot of things coming together at mm -hmm. once and mm -hmm. living in a, like a, a black neighborhood of uh, most of the families are black professionals, you know, where I lived. And then there's also like, right, very nearby is where the whole Charles Stewart thing happened. And there was stop and frisk going on, right, mm. right, you know, a few streets down. And like, it's just a lot, you know, and then going into a very affluent community, which was mm -hmm. normal to me, like just being on all of these different part of these different worlds. Um, my father was a mental health professional and professor. And so um, and my mom 
just amazing like mathematician and you know linguist so Mm. they were very involved in everything that was going on politically overseas Mm. Um, there was a civil war breaking out um where when i was growing up in somalia and so my father was outspoken about that and would always you know bring people together you know on those those issues Mm-hmm. in the Somali community, but also, you know, dealing with racism, you know, as a professor and bringing together the grad students at the university that he was working at. And then, um, you know, I saw him, you know, pull together protests like, um, like uh, at, at Boston University, they were giving um, F.W. de Klerk a uh, honorary degree. And this is when like apartheid was legal, you know what I mean? Mm. And like mm. you'd be giving basically supporting apartheid. Um, right. My dad, you know, stood up against that. So when you mm. see your parents doing things like you kind of get behind it, like I did that, <laughs> you know, I kind of felt like, right. yeah, you know, we did that. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And, you know, seeing, you know, all these people come together in the middle of the winter having protests like Mm -hmm. so I didn't really think about it too much it was just natural to me because like all these things were happening um my father's first book was like um psychology of oppression and it was Mm -hmm. a biography um partial biography on French Spinal and so he became close to their family uh he now has the French Spinal Institute so racism was like something that was talked about but mm-hmm. it wasn't so much talked about on like what I was dealing with on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. It was just like this bigger other thing. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. It I would be like to... protested and researched and published. and Yeah. And I had to deal with like what was happening to me, like myself. Like I didn't really right. talk about it too much, you know? And for the most part, I had good treatment, you know, but I got called the N-word at park, you know, like really? people pretty pretty close to our like circle and stuff and so I had to deal with stuff you know I had to deal with stuff and um did you have any support in dealing with that um well now I will say now Park has black psychologists you know they have like a lot of support but then that's great then I had support but it wasn't like exactly on the topic like like those people still probably don't know what happened to me you know? Right. Right. So there was a lot of painful things that did happen at park and that I witnessed happening to others. And there was no like Mm -hmm. vehicle to like, let it out. And I'm getting like a lump in my throat thinking about those traumatic things, you know, that are happening to like this little first grader or whatever, you know? Right. Yeah. 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 So I'll get it together. I'm very emotional and sensitive, but um, you've had me crying before the episode. So <laughs> I'm don't. sorry, it's my turn. <laughs> it's my turn. Yeah. So I mean, oh, like, I just want to reach out. Like, I, I, I just want to like reflect how it's there's such an interest, like a a meaningful experience, like knowing that I was there, knowing that I had no clue what was going on picturing both of our like very young selves in those moments and mm-hmm. such a, a hope for things to be different, you know, for, for awareness to be different for, you, you know, it just, just being reached out to in those moments, you know, and held in a certain way. It doesn't, yeah, I just, Yeah. I had some people who were really good to me. Like we had, we had, um, remember Miss Allen, Fern, Fern Cunningham. Mm-hmm. That was like mm-hmm. my escape, you know, going to art and having, right. so we have, we had a world renowned artist. Um, and, and we, we got to escape into the world of art, like, you know, with her. I just feel like that was mm-hmm. such a gift for me. Um, yeah. Um, 
it's so but there was no opportunity to really put things into words you know right yeah and and uh yeah i don't really think it ever happened i think like the closest we got at park was having i we might want to edit that out (laughs) i don't know if we want to mention the school but the closest we got was like some special assembly where like some women came and showed how to do head wraps you know like african head wraps i feel like that's the closest (laughs) we ever got to any kind of like racial conversation but that's just my memory like there's some really foul shit that happened i will say but i'm not going to get into all that but you know i had some good friends and i had some good people like you around me um Uh yeah it's so for, for me it's so amazing how uh, two people can be in the same exact space and have two exactly different experiences. Um, that that to me it just shows the power of racism, the power of um, mm-hmm. what we have to deal with every day. You know, um, just listening to YouTube um, and you guys come almost come to tears thinking about traumatic experiences that happened while you were growing up. Um, is why we fight you know i think that's why we do what we do uh, to make a world a better place for our children a few generations um because if everyone continues to just say someone else will do it um who no one will do it you know because mm-hmm. racism and white supremacy and everything that is around that is such a huge daunting thing and such a heavy lift to even to, to conceptualize, like you will be like, you know what? I just gotta take care of my family. I just gotta take care of my kids, my wife, my husband. Like racism happened. We're gonna talk to them. But yeah, we just gotta keep that outside the door. And mm-hmm. it's just like, wow, just to see you guys have gone through that, something that's obviously very traumatic. And now we're speaking about it 40, like 20, 30, 40 years later. That's phenomenal. 20. Yeah, eighty. How'd you? Why? Thank you. We're speaking about it. <laughs> We're speaking about it a century later. Oh, yeah. Well, it's so. Uh, you know, one of the things we wanted to talk about today is just the generational work of this, and yeah. I, you know, for me, it's the trauma, the way it's held in our body. You know, like the way that that's. Um, yeah it's so, it's so present for us. And, um, when I think of, um, when I think of my experience at park and like, I I do remember a lot of like emphasis on multiculturalism Mm -hmm. and yeah, that's true. But it was, it was always about the other, you know, it was about the people in Africa, the people somewhere else. It would be, um, it wasn't about, what was happening in our school. It was never, even like the, the work that they did that I think was foundational work for me to like be curious about other cultures. Um, I can't remember it crossing my mind to be curious about your experience or other people of color's experience within the class. And I think that that, um, that kind of self-reflective curiosity can start very young. And I, I think this is what you know, what they're calling the debate about CRT, which is just not critical race theory. It's learning about people's experiences. Um, that would put a a seed of like, let's just, let's look around and, and look at what's happening. Um, and yes, I, I haven't been through a school system that did that particularly well, but I think it could be what we need to just continue to understand each other's experiences. Mm-hmm. important way mm-hmm. yeah actually my mom I, I just like oh my dad did all this big stuff but my mom she was one of the people who started the multicultural parents committee so oh nice they had you know they had their whole whole thing going on and there was a campaign mm-hmm. remember we had those t-shirts that had, like the school name in different languages so my family like shared maybe two or three languages with that t-shirt and then that was it. That was it. Like, I don't even remember yeah. anything else. There's, there's not too much. It just, but, you know, there was one thing I do remember now in the curriculum, which actually was hmm. the first time that I felt really seen 
Um, mm-hmm. So we fast forward from like second grade or something like that, where there was like a little lamb brought to the class. And then the person who was doing the presentation was like, yeah, your hair is kind of like her hair. Like the, the lamb's hair. Oh my God. Like kind of touch the lamb and touch my like. Oh, and I'm wow. like, how about this beautiful like sweater from Scotland that I wore? For the occasion, right. like, look at that. These n- nice weavings, but you guys want to touch my hair. Like, so you oh. go from that oh. to, um, mm-hmm. damn, I forgot what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> like these, ex- something in the curriculum ex- later you were yeah, talking yeah, about. Cur- thank you. Um, to, um, I can't remember his name right now, but I really liked him as a teacher. Um, he also uh, taught language, but he, he brought Africa to our curriculum in sixth grade. So Mm. like, I think we spent the whole year studying Africa Mm -hmm. and that was just like, that was pretty dope. I love that. Yeah. 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 The entire school year that was our social studies in, and history class. So yeah, Mm. I, I I can give them credit, but again, it was the other, it wasn't like what's happening Mm -hmm. in the classroom or how the classroom is run. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and, yeah. I, I, and that's the issue is like you can't do this kind of work or raise this kind of awareness, their awareness around racism without it being hurtful. It, it, mm-hmm. it, it's, 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 it's a very it's steeped in hate, you know, um, it was birthed out of othering other individuals in order to perpetuate power you know and so Mm -hmm. in order so to talk about it in a way where america's hands are clean while trying to act as if we address other countries and other places worlds away is disingenuous um and it's like we always talk about crt and this and that i don't think critically thinking about it i always say it critically thinking about anything as important as race should be welcomed by everyone you know like i don't think like there should be a time where we don't do this if we're truly um thinking about education um and things of that nature and so like you you said the multiculturalism was about other places around the world instead of the u.s instead of what's happening at your school you know mm-hmm. and so like that that to me is very disingenuous and very dangerous too mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah oh so after seventh grade <laughs> how what was the path that you took going forward that then brought you to where you, what the work that you're doing now um Well, I will say after seventh grade, I actually moved. So I moved into a whole different community. Like I've lived in a lot of different types of places, you know, like amongst Mm -hmm. affluent communities, urban, suburban, like all of that. I went to live in a place where, you know, people came from all over the world. Um, Mm. You know, I lived in like the DMV area. So like a lot of my friends parents were ambassadors or worked at, in the different embassies mm-hmm. and um so there was like another level of awareness and then you know as you get older you get more aware of like the socioeconomic differences and you know those type of things so i feel like i've had a like a world experience world class experience so far um mm-hmm. in terms of not not really being sheltered in my adult life mm-hmm. like knowing what's out here at mm. least in the united states and um mm-hmm. awesome. having an eye on you know what's going on in other countries um like to mm-hmm. travel more but you know i've got an idea of, of where i am and i feel like i'm i'll never fit in anywhere like i'm mm. i'm i'm mm. I'm always the other. I'm always the other, you know, and it's mm. fine. You know what I mean? And it's cool because now I realize there are others who are others like me. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So mm-hmm. it's it's cool. But um, but mm-hmm. yeah, it 
I, I take the best out of, you know, there are some painful experiences, but I do take the best out of them. And I think overall, you know, at the heart of everything, people tried and they did, they did what they could at the time, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and I, and I see how hard it is as an adult. We, I mean, we're, we're all doing this for free. Like we're, you know, we're having this conversation out. There's no monetary thing. Like we are doing this because we want better, yeah. you know? You're right. And yeah. um, if things weren't so fucked up, we wouldn't be having this conversation. We would be off on our specialties, you know, other things that we're passionate about. But this is like life, this is life or death, you know? And mm-hmm. so in terms of getting into my next step of, you know, getting involved with mass action in a formal way, um, you know, it's just reading the news, listening to the news and like, knowing what's going on in between the lines, the things that aren't being said, you know, Mm. and Mm. feeling, feeling the pain oozing out of that and absorbing it and like not knowing what to do with it. You know, sometimes it's like the injustice that's overseas and you're like, what do I do? You know, like I'm helpless, you know, Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. someone gets shot in front of you by the police, you know, um, And I, I did see something, you know, um, I, I saw something, I saw the aftermath of something. Um, and, uh, this was probably 2007 or something like that. And, um, so then from that point, I was like personally traumatized, but, you know, I, I'd still like, you know, up to that point, I would see things that happened, you know, in other places and just wonder like, how's that person doing? I might even reach out, you know, and just try to keep tabs on a survivor or something like that. But that was just me having a heart. It wasn't like me trying to do anything political. I wanted actually to stay away from politics. My father was so involved with that stuff as a kid that I felt like it kind of steals you from your family and not just Mm. your family, but just steals you like, I just felt like there's so much injustice going on. I actually, when I was a kid, I used to, we probably have cassette tapes of me. I used to listen to the BBC and then like have my own little radio show to myself. Oh my goodness. Like this is what kids do when they're not allowed to watch TV. Okay. I had one hour <laughs> a week when I was a kid. So I entertained myself. I had like weather report, like I had all kinds of stuff. We did like little recordings too, but they were more like ads for Jordan's furniture. <laughs> <laughs> Not the BBC, I can tell you that. <laughs> um, but I would have my little radio show and I'd like just say like how messed up the world was, you know? And I felt like if I was a real, if I wow. ever became a real journalist, I'd probably get killed like early in my career because I'd be in like the middle of everything, you know? And I'd, mm-hmm. I wouldn't mm-hmm. hold anything back. I'd tell the truth. And so that, mm-hmm. that thought in my mind just made me say, okay, I'm, cause you know, I love to write. Right. But, but I'm like, nope. I'm not going to do that because it's just going to be a short life for me. And there's other stuff that I want to do too. And there's uh-huh. so much bad stuff. It'll just suck me in, you know? And uh, so, yeah, seeing a lot of stuff on the news until you just can't look away. And uh, my husband was involved with um, police brutality work, anti-police brutality work in Minneapolis. Mm. Um, okay. For- over 20 years and um so there was a protest um my son was probably not even one he was just a little baby and uh i ended up going and it was i think martin luther king day and it was um it was set up to just be this thing like oh yeah i'll go along and i show up and then nothing's happening. Everyone's just standing there. And then finally my husband just like stands up on a bench and is like, okay, everybody, let's go. Let's do this. You know? And I was like, Whoa, I didn't know he was doing that. And, um, well, there was some type of planning committee of people that just kind of emerged, just regular people. Um, and they did a march. I don't think they really knew what they were doing. They ended up just circling Boston common, like 
a bunch of times and going through like a neighborhood where like no one was going to hear them. It was a holiday weekend. These people have money. They're not here. Like, what are you, uh-huh. who are you protesting? Like what, <laughs> you know, like you hear the, the, the sound bouncing off of these like homes that had enslaved people working in them, you know, like mm. they don't care. And so mm. from that point, I was like, I'm not going to another March unless it's in the hood and we're going to have marches in the hood. And I just made that like, that's it. This is what's mm-hmm. going to happen. And um, from that mm-hmm. point on, I just kind of got involved mm-hmm. after I made that, you know, pledge. Um, and it was really empowering for me. Like we ended up doing a lot of protests in the neighborhood where I grew up. Uh-huh. For me, that was just like, first time I'd ever seen anything like that. Um, wow. And I've, I've actually met some of the most beautiful people doing this work. Um, we work very closely with the families of, you know, victims of police brutality. Wow. And um, survivors as well. And um, uh-huh. I'm just in awe of these people. You know, just imagine. complete awe. And so in a way, you know, it's been empowering. But in another way, it's just been like, heart-wrenching you know um yeah you know to like go different cities across the country different gatherings of surviving people and victims of police families of victims and like to hear their stories to feel their stories and to know that there's like a, a similar story if not the same story in another city in another city in another city in another city and it just like keeps happening and it keeps happening and it's just like I want to stop everything and make sure that it does not happen again hmm. you know that my son who is growing fast you know is not one of them you know mm-hmm. and you know, if something happened to me, like who's going to stand up for me, you know, for my voice, you know, like we have to stand up for each other. No matter how uncomfortable it is, no matter how much you're going to give up, you know, like how many times have I canceled on a client? Cause I have to go, you know, check on someone in court or, you know, stand up and do I have to be the one you know how many times have you know have I kind of been a flake in the professional world because I'm trying to just make sure someone's okay you know what I'm saying so it Mm. it's not it's not a career for me and unfortunately Mm. um there are people who benefit you know, you know, monetarily, there are people who try to build their personal political careers over, you know, doing or saying they're doing something, you know what I mean? And so um, it's just really hard to just sit back and watch, watch people um, mislead, you know, um, but we're just trying to stay true to ourselves and when i say we i'm just talking about mass action against police brutality like we're uh-huh. grassroots um most recently we've become nonprofit, but only just because like money has flowed but you know through us to make events happen so we've had mm-hmm. like for example um when george floyd was killed um we planned well we had a we had a gathering in boston and then from there we ended up raising money to get all of the families who wanted to come to come together um for a national mothers march in minneapolis mm. so just mm-hmm. basically to respond to george floyd's call for his mother mm. and mm. so that yeah. happened at the beginning of July of that year. Mm. So mm-hmm. from the end of May to the beginning of July, we just like 
we did a concert. We did the first like concert. Remember, everyone's under lockdown. And, you know, up to that point, if we ever needed a permit or something like we did get permits for some of our earlier protests um, mm-hmm. years before, just because we were doing it for the first time. We were working with people who may be undocumented or have, you know, previous issues with the law. Um, and we wanted to make people w- with their families and everything feel safe. Like they could all come out. They weren't going to be fucked mm. with, with, you know, by the police. Um, so let's just put this permit on the book. So at least the cops have to be on their best behavior, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But when it came down to getting a permit for that, it was just like, nah, this is freedom of speech. Like we're going to have the concert. concert. Like, yeah, we're doing this. And um, we raised money. We got enough to fly families from across the country. Mm. I want to say, oh God, how many did we have that year? I think it was like 111 representatives or something like that. Wow. We got together and it was just surreal. There was a, um, I can send you pictures later, but there was the area where George Floyd was killed, you know, all these murals went up. That's one thing that Minneapolis did. They tore that shit down, but they definitely repainted it. Like, mm-hmm. and um, one of the things that they did was paint the victims' names all the way down the street. Oh wow! And to to get off and see like all these mothers that we came with, and sisters, and you know, looking for their loved one's name on oh. the street. You know, it, it was surreal. It was surreal. And um, my child, there was one moment. I mean, it just like, it it was, I don't even know how to describe it. But there was one moment where, you know, I'd left my child at home. Like, you know, he was in a safe place and everything. And I hear my child's name being screamed out at the top and is someone else who has my child's name, you know, but to hear that mom saying my child's name, like I haven't really shared this with anyone. I, this is everyone's like worst nightmare, right? So thank God it wasn't my experience. But it gave me taste, you know, it gave me a taste. And I felt like, you know, these these families, these victims, they don't get hurt as much as they should. They do not. You know, people think about them for a second. People think about them for a moment. They get judged by maybe a soundbite. But they wake up with this. They they lose sleep. You know, a year later, 15 years later, 40 years later, you know, and they've been silent for a long time. You know, early on, they were being told, you know, their lawyers got it. Don't say anything. And then they just sit and wait. You know, they sit and wait for like the legal procedures and to hear the things that are going on across the country, like people who haven't received a fucking police report, like for years, not even like, like the, the level of corruption that is going on is just unimaginable, but to be part of something so big where, you know, these families have come together, um, a big turning point was was 2020 for sure, you know, with the Mother's mm-hmm. March. And um, since then, it's ballooned. And we had uh, something that we did later that year in D.C. and then the following year. And then we're, we're organizing for this year as well. Um, last year ended up being, I think, 444, you know, people who supported it who were all like victims, families and um, survivors. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. As that community builds, you know, and um, 
supporters, you know, genuine supporters help them and join with them on their demands, you know, not someone trying to gain office or, you know, trying right. to do something else. Um, but really listening to the families. Yeah. Um, and they all want yeah. their cases reopened, you know? Right. They mm-hmm. want those cases reopened. So many things have been denied, you know? And um, so that's the main thing, you know, out of the campaign. I know I've just been rambling all over the place, but this is kind of no. like how I am. I'm in a million places <laughs> at once. No, seriously, like oh. I'd be fine if I could be like five people, you know? Um, right. And so oh. I think some of the pictures I showed, I was like trying to be like, I literally had like five different titles that day. Like, <laughs> you know, um, but it's, it's just because I don't oh. want it to happen anymore. Like, and I'm so scared. I'm so scared, you know, so scared. First off, I, wow. Yeah, this is, um, this is about you, you know? We don't, I don't say anything. I, I, I love having a platform where you can, um, feel comfortable enough to share things like you just did. You know, that's very, very, very powerful and so empowering and so inspiring to hear your story, um, to hear the work that you're doing, to hear that they are individuals that are comfortable being others. Um, because I'm another two, you know what I mean? Emily's another two, you know, and at the end of the day, let's unite. Um, so no reason to apologize. And you, I can already tell you do wear a lot of hats. Um, um, and it's just an honor to, to be here in the interview with you. Likewise, likewise. I want to know how you guys came together, actually. <laughs> it's all about me, right? But how did you all come together? Oh, we can, we can answer that in a second. I just want to like, I, your, your capacity is just out, like, astonishing me. Like I, to, to be with, to be with, with people in such a um, supportive and receptive way as in being with the families of victims and survivors when Mm. it's also your worst fear is just so i mean your that capacity is outstanding and it is um such a i mean so important for me to hear because i don't know if i have the capacity to like be at that march maybe i would be able to i i don't know i haven't um, I'm, at the end, I want to make sure we tell our listeners how to support your work and get more involved um, because I'm sure there's a lot more support that could be needed. Uh-huh. But I'm just really in awe of that and really appreciate you sharing the experiences that are unfolding and that you're 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 willingly walking into and supporting is just yeah, really outstanding. So thank you so much. So there's um, a little bit into yoga and there's a, there's a phrase in the yoga sutra, theorem uh, sukhasanam, to be comfortable, you must be stable. And in order to be stable, you must be comfortable. Mm-hmm. And my emotions are not stable. Yeah, y'all, they are not, <laughs> you know, lots of ups and downs, but. I definitely feel like support is, it goes a long way, mm. you know, and the support from someone just giving a thumbs up, like, man, that thumbs up can carry, carry me a long way, you know, and yeah. to just know that, that there are people out there um, that maybe I wouldn't have expected you know, Mm -hmm. um, to take time out and just be like, Hey, you know what, in whatever way they can to show Mm -hmm. that this is something that's important, you know, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. in a protest might be a little honk and wave, you know what I mean? But, um, Mm -hmm. or just like, a from the window, Mm -hmm. but, uh, we have to keep on 
coming together and having these conversations, you know, um, because there's another generation that's looking at us and they've got to take the next steps. So in our lifetime, you know, we talked about like apartheid, right? We saw that get abolished when it comes to South Africa. Now, when it comes to Jerusalem, Gaza, Hmm. another story for the Palestinian Mm -hmm. people. So it's not over. It's absolutely Mm -hmm. not over, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, But we have seen some successes, you know, and we continue to Mm -hmm. see some successes, you know, with cases, you know, coming to justice. Mm -hmm. But still, you know, there's there are the losses that can never be replaced. The loss of human life. You know, so I just feel like we all just need to kind of stop what we're doing, get this four day work week going and just change over to like, you know, adding in some time for our community work. I feel like that's that's a requirement that should be a requirement for everybody because it really isn't fair for for people to suffer and. Us to think that someone is just someone else is going to do it, like you said earlier, you know, it's not right. It's not because these are real family experiences and they need to know that the entire community supports them at all. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so creating this vehicle. Yes. I will Mm -hmm. post my web, post our website. I'll try to keep it updated, get people the information (laughs) that they need, you know, Uh Um, uh and just stay, stay locked in, you know, know, know these cases, know these families and when they need support, when it's time for them to go to court, come with them, show up Uh now, Uh now COVID COVID was kind of a gift because now they have to do court online sometimes. So a lot of people can show up, right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 I think that that's really a, a really great hands-on encouragement for people. I I know like I often when I when we'll respond to your question in a second. <laughs> I when there's another, you know, police shooting, I get it's so paralyzing and then I'm like we have to take down the system and then that's so overwhelming because I don't actually like think in terms of policy, I think of in terms of the interpersonal, so the directive to like okay, you have that energy focus on the family. Like how can, how can I support and um, find ways to organize and support? I think it's a really, um, really important reminder of, of one way to support. And there's some people really good with policy, much better than policy and just, you know, get the right. People it's, policy takes to too long. Change. I feel it like it takes, takes too long. Too long. I, <laughs> I mean, it's good to everyone. Everyone's got their strengths. Right. You know, um, but my general belief our general belief is with mass action is that there's a lot of, there's enough flaws on the books. There's enough mm-hmm. flaws in the books already right. to, to, to um, make everyone know that what happened to Ahmaud Aubrey is not okay. What happened to Tatiana Jefferson is not okay. Like it's, it puts mm-hmm. fear in all of us when we go through our daily activities. Like, mm-hmm. sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I was teaching my son his ABCs and he would go A, B, C, we, uh, B, we, uh, B, because he grew up going to protests, doing die-ins before he was one year old or two years old. You know what I mean? And so we can't breathe. That's what he was trying to say. We can't breathe. Oh God! He's in the middle of learning his ABCs, and he goes off to say, "We can't breathe," because that's what we can't get from A to Z. Mm-hmm. We can't. Right? Like, people don't realize that. Like uh-huh. on a daily basis, like we could break down so many activities. If racism was going to stop you, or if the things that happen because of racism, getting to Z, what happens between? Courtney, tell me what happens between A and Z. No, a, a lot, a world of things. Like you can be stuck at at D, E, P. You could be stuck and never get to Z. Actually, so yeah, 
what happens that should be like a book what happens between a and z yeah wow that's a, a very powerful image of your son i mean that's incredible it's incredible oh man um we do have to kind of wrap up uh i think this has been just a, a really wow powerful episode for me Courtney, do you want to just say really quickly how we we met, just to respond to Sarad's question? Oh, I'd love to. Basically, um, we met through a mutual friend in 2019, right when the um, around the time when the before the pandemic. So we were gearing up to do some facilitation around DEI work, and then when the pandemic hit, um, our the person that I was with, Emily and I, they kind of like I got to focus on my family right now. And I told them, you know, like, I can't, I don't have the luxury to just stop doing this kind of work. I don't know how it's going to look. I don't know what it is. And she was like, all right, cool. Give me some time to, to figure it out. And then she called me back, like, you, basically, you want to do a podcast. I didn't know what the hell a podcast was. You know, like, I'm, I, I never listened to podcasts. And um, when she told me it was a, a platform, we can speak our truth about activism. You mean to tell him I can talk my shit for just what I want? Oh, yeah, let's go. Let's go. And so the weird thing is that we started to learn about each other through our podcast. We had never never known. We had never had a real long conversation. But we would talk through things on our podcast and about our views. So I could have been, because she took a huge risk on me, and I took a huge risk on her. And we just grew our podcast and grew our relationship. And now, a long story short, we're four seasons in. Like I view her as family, and and we'll see what happens now. You know, as we try to change the world. That's in short, how humanized really begun. You know, so um, yeah. yeah, we've yeah. been blessed. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And you guys took a risk on me. I don't know how this thing is going to turn out, but it's amazing. I'm telling oh. you, I have so much I, to say, but oh. you know getting staying focused is hard you know yeah yeah your heart is so huge um i mean the stories that you've told are really gonna stick with me and i i'm so excited that this has reconnected us um super psyched about that so i feel so grateful for that and i look forward to more conversations like so you can download more memories too <laughs> i know right so yeah. so many so many yeah but, um oh but yeah this it. is oh. Looking forward to the next steps, and uh, yeah. thank you very much for having me. Thank you for awesome. thank you for being here. We appreciate you so much. Thank you. Peace. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Humanize. Please remember to like and subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. Join us on Instagram or Facebook to continue this conversation at the Humanize Podcast. Let us know if you want to learn more about the professional trainings we offer. And of course, tune in next time as we continue the work. Thank you and much love.